Hello, welcome to today's podcast. The title of today's podcast is When Things Go Wrong in Cleaning Businesses. I'm Louise. I'm Diane. And we're looking forward to talking about this. We've got a lot of examples, haven't we? But <laughs> Just a few. The, re- the reason for this today is because I'm looking at taking on an under 16. And uh, as part of the council's, what is it called, process, I have to write a risk assessment, which would be normal, except all they're doing is counting out cloths and packing things into boxes, effectively restocking shelves. I've got to write a risk assessment, counting cloths and stacking shelves. Madness, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it can. It can feel a little bit like that sometimes, but sometimes it can it can save you from hassle down the line, can't it? Yeah, and as you promptly told me, Louise, have you watched our webinar on employing uh, <laughs> under 18s? To which I was like, mm, maybe. Yeah, it's, in, it's in the training library, Louise. So yeah, if you are thinking of employing somebody under 18, you've got a webinar all about it in our training library. I did watch that, although that was about eight months ago, I think. Um, but no, I've had to learn the hard way and go out, and do all my own research, and write yet another risk assessment. How do you feel about risk assessments? Um, I, I, I feel like probably like most business owners that I feel like there are sometimes a necessary evil. But actually, the, the reality is that some of the things that have happened over the years have made me realise that actually they're not. They're a key living part of the business um, and not just something I do for a tick box. Yeah, sometimes they, things go wrong and I go, really, how was I yeah. going to have presented that? <laughs> do, do you know one of my, I'm not a favourite ones, because it was a terrible thing that happened. One of my staff was cleaning, she was cleaning in the kitchen. She picked up the toaster by putting her hand in the toaster and with the other hand, flicked it on. <laughs> how this is possible, I don't know. So she electrocuted herself, dropped the toaster, flung her hand across and then had to have the next day off because her hand, uh, like she pulled all the muscles in her arm with the electrocution. I was like, so am I seriously might meant to write a risk assessment of don't put your hand in the toaster and turn it on? Like, <laughs> no, obviously that wasn't it. But you must have had things like this where you go, really? Yeah. So my, my favourite of that, which I still don't quite know how to write a risk assessment about it, is um, one of our team had been cleaning in a house. She was downstairs finishing off and there was this almighty crash upstairs. She went upstairs to investigate what it was, and a pheasant had flown through a closed window, smashed the window, and landed in the bedroom, just completely random. Um, she panicked, shut the door, um, and phoned our manager, and our manager ended up going around and catching this pheasant in a washing basket. <laughs> um, there was feathers and bird poo everywhere all over the bedroom. They rang the client, explained what had happened, taped up the window. The client's husband did actually come home, and they stayed behind. My, my manager and my team member stayed behind a little bit to, to try and clean up a little bit so it wasn't left in quite such a mess but how you write write a risk assessment for that I don't know but we did get a good review from the client about it but I don't know how I will write a risk assessment about that because that's just so random but I suppose when things like that happen the team members got their mobile phone with them their the risk assessment and the the outcome of what they should do is to just ring their manager for help um so yeah but random things do happen in people's houses and do you know what? This is the one thing that I know that we taught on the course. Um, phone the manager or phone the office yeah. is a perfectly reasonable action in Absolutely a recession. What do you yeah. do? Phone for help. Phone yeah. up. Yeah. And but, it's, it's, that's one of the things for us is it's key to always have a mobile phone with us. And there's so many other things that have happened where a mobile phone is an essential. Um, absolutely. As part of the risk assessment. 
Yeah, it's um. So some of the other ones that we've had was a cat escaped out the front door, right? Which, I mean, this has happened. Surely it's happened to all of us. And the customer was at home. And of course, it's all our fault. The cat got out. It's like, but how are we meant to walk through the door without the cat escaping? And then obviously we get dragged into sort of searching for the cat. It's really terrible. The cat's never been outside in its life. And you go, oh, come on, we're here to clean. Like, could you not have looked after the cat and kept the cat in the room? Why was the cat wandering around the house where the possibility is that it could have escaped? But again, this is risk assessment to begin with. The customer keeps the cat in the bedroom with them. Yeah, absolutely. And with and the other thing with cats as well is we have on our, um, you know, our risk assessment, I suppose, which is all on our notes. And um, when a client's got a pet is you don't leave the doors shut in the house because cats... We've had we've shut a cat in a bedroom before all day. Um, and we did worse and it's than not that. pleasant for a client to come home to when the cat's been shut in a bedroom without a litter tray all day. So, yeah, leave all the doors open when the, when the client's got a cat. <laughs> so we did this. It was actually one of my favourite clients. Absolutely loved them. Um, we did a clean. It was on a Friday afternoon. Unbeknownst to us, they'd gone away for the weekend. We accidentally trapped the cat into the top bedroom like the attic bedroom which had an ensuite the door was left open to the ensuite but um the staff had put toilet cleaner down the toilet and they're meant to flush it away but they hadn't flushed it away so there was toilet cleaner down the toilet and they'd left the toilet bowl open not our standard practice but whatever no one really cares um the cat got locked in they drunk from the toilet bowl which was full of toilet chemicals and they'd scratched up all the carpet at the door it obviously got really really hot in the attic bedroom they came back having left the cat there for two and a half days and were fuming with us and i was like i don't know what to say like how do you how do you come back from that you know yeah, you go wow and the trouble is with cats is you don't always know they're in the room they're, they're probably yeah. hiding under the bed because cats disappear when we turn up with our equipment don't they they're usually the first exit or under a bed or hide. so you don't know they're in the room so yeah the risk assessment on that a property with a with a cat particularly is either leave all the doors open or the client agrees the cat will stay in one room, whatever it is that you need to do to make sure that that pet is going to be safe um, is so important. It's tricky though, isn't it? Because particularly with an attic room, you've then got the fire risk and they've all got fire doors on them. So those doors yeah. all need to be shut. And you go, right, do I shut them for the fire risk or do I leave it open for the possibility that a cat is hidden somewhere in the room? Yeah. And again, this is where you sort of pass the responsibility to the client. Very and I know. I make sure it's written down. What do you want? Doors open or shut? Because there isn't a right answer. No. And isn't it true that a lot of these incidents that have happened have led to us us rewriting how we do things and and changing the way we agree things with clients? So part of this is, you know, learning by our own bad examples, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do Do you know another one that we've had? And I run this with my staff. What would you do if a fire alarm goes off when you're in a house? Well, usually they panic, don't they? That's the first thing they do. <laughs> Beyond panicking, what are you supposed to do? And obviously, we have to write processes for this. Yeah. And of course, if you ask a member of staff, what should you do if a fire alarm goes off? And they say, get out of the house and phone the fire brigade. So we phoned the fire brigade, not with an alarm going off, we phoned in advance. And we said, well, help us write a fire procedure here. And they were really nice about it. And they said, we hate writing risk assessments for your job. And I was like, yeah, I can, I can see that. <laughs> and they said, well, nine times out of 10, it's a faulty battery. Mm. I was like, yes, it is. You know, almost every time it's a faulty battery. And they were like, well, look, if you've been in that house for 40 minutes, 
you've got one person upstairs, one person downstairs, the fire alarm goes off, there's no smell of smoke, there's no sign of a fire, right? <laughs> Why get out and call the fire brigade? The odds are it's not a fire. So then we had to start retraining the staff to go, okay, well, I don't want you to go necessarily searching for a fire, but if there is no signs of a fire, you're not supposed to fight it, but you've got to be realistic. Is there a fire or is there not a fire? Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's that common sense thing, isn't it, that you've got to, to train them. And, you know, you talk about sort of smoke alarms going off and things like that. But what about actual house alarms going off? Oh, they're, they're, that, the that happens all the time. The client says, oh, I'll never set the alarm. And then they do forget and they set it or the husband sets it or they change the code or whatever it is. It just doesn't quite work. And, yeah, that's quite traumatic for your team members, isn't it? And do you know, so again, I'm going to tell a little story. We'll keep telling stories because lots of these have gone wrong. Um, so one of ours, the staff set off the alarm because it had one of these fobs. You hold the fob up against it. Anyway, they held the fob in the wrong place. The alarm goes off. They walk into the house. I don't know why, because the alarm's now going off, but they walked into the house, um, at which point they decided to phone the office to go, oh, the alarm's going off. What do we do? So we immediately phoned the customer and um, told the customer, the customer, um, I think they are remotely unset it or gave us the actual code, because by this point, the fob now wouldn't unset it. They gave us the code. We unset the alarm. And she said, has it called the police? To which I answered, I've got no idea. Probably not, but I don't know. She then, we unset the alarm, carry on cleaning. 45 minutes into the clean, the police turn up with the husband. He was apparently in surgery um, 20 miles away, got called out of surgery, turned up with the police. She then went nuts at us going, wow, you set the alarm off. I went, yes, but we called you immediately. We phoned the process. You know we set the alarm off. If you knew that was a possibility, why would you not phone your partner and tell him that we've set the alarm off? Um, but of course, as cleaners, we get the blame every time and we're going, well, yes, we set the alarm off, but we told you. So, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and yeah, they are connected. Um, yeah. Our, our house in, in the UK was connected to the police station and the fire station. And if it went off, they would turn up. Yeah. And well, the number of times where I've done it and, you know, I'm going to tell everyone how to pass security alarms. <laughs> so you know that security alarm goes off. And then there's a secondary alarm. And if you enter the house and go and trigger that secondary alarm, and normally somewhere in the hallway, then the next thing that happens is they phone on the landline, or it used to be this, they like, don't do it. Don't yeah. So then they phone on the landline. So I've now got to the stage where if I know that secondary alarm might have been triggered, and then the landline calls, I'm like, obviously we never answer customer's landline. But I'm like, no, I'm answering that call yeah. because it's against the outcome. And as long as you tell them, they're fine. But it's that really awkward moment of going, do I answer their landline phone given yeah. what's just happened? Yeah, because you wouldn't normally do it, would you? No, absolutely. <laughs> I feel like this is all the disasters, but this is 12 years of hundreds of star, you know. Yeah, absolutely, so, yeah. Anyway, back onto risk assessments. Mm. Um, yeah, you can write risk assessments for a lot of these, can't you? Like, we yeah. know. Every and thing is, every time something happens, you just okay. Do we need to review what we what we put in place and retrain your team or put extra notes on for that particular client? It's just it's always evolving. A risk assessment isn't you do it once, put it in a folder, and forget about it. It's just part of the day to day business, isn't it? Yeah, and even as simple as alarms that we're talking about, do not trigger that secondary alarm. <laughs> you know you've set it off, but you can write it. Yeah. Um, simple what's your animal risk assessment Diane <laughs> what for the pheasant 
there's so many animals aren't there yeah, so many different ones yeah we've had we've had clients with tarantulas and snakes and all sorts and yeah so how do you risk assess those we've even had a team member that was terrified of dogs and cats it didn't work I have to say but you know it's it's it is difficult because there's such a variety like all your clients homes are different all their pets are different as well and dogs particularly are usually the ones where you worry about it from a staff safety point of view because you know they can be unpredictable some dogs they just want to help some dogs just don't want you in their territory do they it's a bit like children I suppose they want to help do they <laughs> well they do they want to join in don't they oh a vacuum cleaner that's exciting I'll, I'll help with the you know the, the pipe and remove it for you and that sort of thing don't they but yeah so you do you have to you have to take each client and their pets and everything individually don't you almost yeah, this is why at the beginning I'm like, you tell me, you write my yeah. assessment. And if I see that it's not going to work, um, you do it. But again, do you clean, you know, dog and cat bowls that sit on mats? Do you know what I'm talking about in the kitchen? I do, I know what you mean, yeah. Clean them, do you not? What do you do? Yeah, it's, it's like, you know, if you don't clean them, you don't feel, I mean, the bowl itself, probably not. But the mat that it sits on, if you don't clean it, are you really cleaning the floor? It's, and it's damp underneath that mat and it gets yeah. a bit icky and yeah you've, yeah, you've kind of got to clean it, haven't you? you have, what yeah. about, you must have had it loads of times, litter tray where they've got a top on it, but somehow the cat's kicked it across half the room. Yeah, you've got to clean it up, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then I'm like, I don't want all your cat litter and feces going up my vacuum. vacuum so then it's like, right, you need to supply a dustpan and brush and that goes straight back in the litter box. and that's it yeah yeah so we we would have a you know it's on if, if clients got pets it just has a specific information about that particular animal that we've agreed with the client it just very individual there's a generic thing as to what to do in a situation but other than that it's quite individualized isn't it which is why I know you do this as well every client you go through the risks yep yep house bunnies Yes, yes. lovely droppings yeah very nice yeah we've had a but they were kept in a room where we didn't clean it (laughs) we have a lot of house bunnies and it's not the droppings it's the straw oh yes yeah oh straw and carpet why guys yeah we've done it we've done a deep clean years ago now um and that was yeah that was bunnies and straw all over a room it's crazy yeah, and hair, and anyway, I'll move on from those. And um, you've had some rather interesting experience with some faulty fixtures and fittings as well, haven't you? Yeah, so one of my, um, this is going back such a long time, probably about 12, 13 years ago when I was um, doing a lot of the cleaning in the business, and we did a, a big spring clean, completely underquoted, but that's another story. Um, and they had these Venetian blinds in the kitchen, two massive windows with Venetian blinds, and they're the thin metal ones that are just awful to clean, aren't they? Just there was bend, don't yeah they? the language is always blue when you're doing those it's just awful and they were greasy they were mucky but I persevered and I cleaned every single slat absolutely spotless they were and then after I'd done that I put the blind up and I cleaned the window but these clients particular clients were on holiday so I thought I need to put the blind back down again before I leave because obviously you know I 
for security's sake while they're on holiday. And we had finished the whole house, like I said, completely underquoted, probably got paid about £3 an hour. However, I'd done it and it was fine and they were becoming a regular client. So the last thing I went to do was just to go around and check all the doors and windows were closed and everything and then to put these blinds back down in the kitchen. So I went to just pull the blind down, just a normal operation, and it fell out of the ceiling. Literally, the whole thing just came down from the ceiling, plaster everywhere. It broke the things that were on the window ledge in the kitchen, just a complete mess. And it was just, I was absolutely mortified because it was quite early in the business and it was just like... But not just that, I then had to, of course, clean up after it. And I just kind of stood the blind to the side of the window when I had finished, left a little note for the clients. I'm really sorry. I mean, it just wasn't fixed properly. There was no battening. It was just that it wasn't my fault. And that can happen. That's the reality of people's. I mean, that particular house, to be honest, had a lot of things like that in it. You know, the taps would be loose and tiles would be loose in the shower. And that's what you, you know, you have to be aware of is, they're not perfect so we always go through with the client now that you know if I clean that picture I don't know if it's going to fall off the wall or not so that is not covered in terms of breakages because it's not our fault so I kind of go through that and and you know free again for each client but just I, I've quite often used that blind as an example I said I did once have somebody's blinds completely fall out of the ceiling when all I did was close the blind so that's why we have to you know let you know that we know if things aren't secure you need to let us know but also that it's not our responsibility if it falls off (laughs) it's hard sometimes whether it's your responsibility or not because we had one where there was a sink and the sink had loads of chips in it um it wasn't a great sink whatever Um, and then one day when we were cleaning the shelf kind of above the sink wobbled and they kept some stone like um hand clean what they called you know the the squirty things hand bottles on there fell off chip the sink right now there was already lots of chips this clearly happened lots of times before they were like you chipped my sink well yes we did chip your sink but we are not replacing that sink because one it was your dodgy shelf and two you've already done it loads of times but it's really hard and unless you've already got this written down that that's a risk you know sometimes it goes well it it's really hard to go is this our fault or is it their fault yeah, because, and I think that's where risk assessments cross over into policies and procedures, don't they? So, you know, part of our policies and procedures and, and our contract with our client is that if a shelf falls down and we've not done anything other than try and clean it, it's not our responsibility if to a fix the shelf or whatever it's landed on. Um, so that's policy and procedure. But also from a risk assessment point of view, you need to train your team to when they are going to clean something just to perhaps touch it to make sure it's secure first kind of scenario it's really hard sometimes we had a freestanding what you call it, like a chest of drawers um it was in a hallway and the floor the wooden floor was a little bit wobbly now they had a very very expensive uh, like air deodorizer thing like it was 20 pounds i know exactly how much it was because you can tell how this ends and as we leave the ground the the floor wobbled this freestanding dresser wobbled and the room air deodorizer thing fell off in the glass bottle spilt all over the floor which we haven't finished vacuuming and you can imagine what happens from there we've now got dirt and stinking perfume and all kinds of things and of course they're going well that's your fault it's like well how is that our fault the floor wobbled when we vacuumed um sometimes it's really hard and you you kind of go well I want to keep the client but the client's obviously blaming us it's like well it's not really our fault is it 
Yeah, no, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? But these things will happen. And and the other thing that we explain to the client, and this is sort of partly risk assessment, partly policies, is you know we are going to be moving most of the things in your home um, at some point, and you know things do fall off, they they break. You know, it's it's kind of part of it almost. It's, you know, um, and and the client kind of has to be accepting of that. Otherwise, we'll be, we have to sort of. The risk assessment has to be well. We won't move it then. <laughs> we won't. We won't dust your pictures. We won't move that. We won't move your ornaments. You know, we remove well, the risk I completely. Had, I had this with a client once. One of the questions I ask is: Is there anything priceless that you don't want us to touch? And she goes, "Yes, I'm a descendant of royal Dalton, and those five vases over there are completely priceless, one of a kind." I was like, "Well, how about oh. we don't do them?" <laughs> yeah. She was like, "Well, I need them dusted." I was like, "Yeah, but." What no. do you want me to do? Like, they're they're particularly delicate vases. What 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 do I do? And she was really unhappy when I said, "Well, no, I'm not going to clean them." She was like, "You clean them," and I was like, "But what happens if we break them?" Well, they're irreplaceable. And I was like, "So, like, these mean a lot to you. What do you do?" She she really was unhappy with us. No. And you go, "Well, I'd, I'd have assessed it the same way, Louise. I said, "No, that's too high a risk for us. We won't be touching that shelf." Yeah, if I clean the rest of your house, how about you clean your five vases yourself? Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They're, um, oh, they're great fun, aren't they? Uh, access. This happens all I think, the time. I think, I think have most of us been locked in a bathroom, or is that just me? <laughs> yeah, how many bathroom handles come up, or kitchen handles? Yeah. <laughs> Why, guys? And the number of clients, and it's not a vast number. Oh, by the way, that happens regularly. So I keep this spanner over there in that drawer. Yeah, so you have a to just write there. on there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. What? So you want me to actually learn how to use the screwdriver rather than you fix the door handle? Yeah, absolutely. And also, um, those, um, I always ask clients now because I've learned from experience, those doors that lock behind you when yeah. you go out to your car. and All of them. Yeah, you don't realise it's going to lock because it's a it's a turning key, but it, it just locks behind you. Yeah, so now I always check because it's not always obvious. Um, yes, it's obvious if it's a Yale, but sometimes the, the other ones can lock when you just close it as well. And yeah, I've been locked out of several houses. And then worse than that, the customer comes back and goes, oh, you didn't lock, double lock it. Uh, yeah it's locked out wasn't it (laughs) the keys are in the house I couldn't double lock it so then you've got a double whammy if you've got locked out and you didn't lock it properly yeah yeah so so how do you risk assess that that to stop it happening because obviously you know we know it's happened to us we know it's happened to our team so how do we try at least to prevent it happening I think for me, this is where the lone worker, so we we tend to work in teams for this. So you can tend to have one person in the house, one person carrying the kit out to the car. Um, that's that's how we try and avoid it. But yeah, it's writing a risk assessment of saying yeah. you, you carry everything out or like we keep ours in boxes, you prop the door up with a box, but then you've got the cat risks and then you've got, you know, intrusive risks. So you're balancing risk constantly, yeah. which is the biggest risk. Yeah. So one of one of the things that because our team mostly works solo, so one of the things that we encourage them to do is to lock the door when they're in the house and and leave the key in the door. Um, but sometimes, of course, you'll then have the homeowner come home and can't get in the house because they can't get their key in, and they'll get a little bit irate. But it's usually resolved quite quickly. But for me, that then means that it, at least the key is there for them to get out again. Because of course, if there was a fire, they need to be able to get out of the house. Um, so it's 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 all, all everything 
one risk assess you you assess something and you change behavior but then it has a knock-on effect so sometimes we find ourselves writing three risk assessments just around a key and a door which seems crazy but you oh, really? need the you must about 10. Or maybe more yeah you need the scenarios and, and certainly you know the thing where the, the door's locking behind you because that's happened not just in homes that's happened in office cleans as well now it's kind of the policy is you know you're going to have to have the key with you but it's like but you've got it at the door so again you've got that balance haven't you and you put it on so we got to the stage we put them on lanyards yeah. so you carry them on a lanyard let's say oh do you know we've tried everything <laughs> we've tried everything <laughs> our latest solution is about as good as you can get but um yeah the, the main the main free. solution for us is have your mobile phone with you <laughs> always have your mobile phone in your pocket and phone the office have and your phone mobile. the office that'll help <laughs> And when they don't have low um, pockets, it's like, right, stuff it down your bra, do anything. Like, just please, just make my life a bit easier. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and there was a time when you said, you know, don't take mobile phones into houses. And now it's really, you know, we're almost negligent if they don't have their mobile phones yeah. in houses. And yeah, I definitely, we have this in the outdoors when you're working with people especially working with teenagers we used to say right you don't have your mobile phones when you're on a walk with us now we say no you have it because if someone twists their ankle it's a bit different to cleaning that i'll, I'll move on from that example right, we'll go back to cleaning. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's important isn't it so what about chemicals then you know so how are we sort of risk assessing those i mean there's the general obviously there's kosh yeah, but I'm, I, what i'm talking about is using chemicals carrying chemicals in you know we've had we've had cleaners that have put their tray down on a dining table for instance and some chemical spillage on a wooden dining table so the rule is you don't put it on a surface other than a floor <laughs> how many times do we see this in the groups and i'm literally looking at it going oh, that is the shape of the bottom of a bottle of flash do yes. you use flash yes but they didn't put it on there but they didn't use it yet but they might have dribbled down the side a little bit and that will burn straight through that wood yeah, yeah um, absolutely we don't even give them concentrates anymore so the concentrates were what was damaging the most things um but yeah like you said I'll tell you what one of my staff did, um, which is so easily done. They left a slightly damp, they were doing damp and dry dusting in a lounge. They left a slightly damp cloth on a coffee table. It was, yeah. um, uh, anyway, the customer was on holiday. Why is it all we end with the customers on holiday? The customer's on holiday for a week. <laughs> like four or five days later, they came in and it had turned like sort of black spots of mold underneath the cloth. And, um, so they came back and they said, right, can you replace the wooden coffee table? Now, that shouldn't be such a problem. Oh, it was custom made for our of wedding. Course. Really, really. So then we said, all right. And they were like, it's real wood. And we went, all right, well, I'll tell you what, we'll just sand the top off your coffee table because this matters to you and it matches everything else. So we start sanding the top off. Turns out it's laminate. Right? And then we were like... We can't sand the top off this. And they were like, we were like, well, now we're only going to replace a laminate coffee table. And they're a lot cheaper to do. Um, they didn't like us. Gosh, it makes it sound like we're really awful. But you can't. <laughs> Like I can no, replace is, all these things are not just a, a risk to your team; they're a risk to your business. So you have to understand how to handle these things. And we, funnily enough, talk about clients being on holiday. We had one where um, uh, a client was on holiday, team member had cleaned, and it was an apartment with a, an apartment underneath. Um, and in the bathroom, um, the tap apparently dripped. 
it was okay. turned off, but it apparently dripped. And my team member had left the, um, it was one of those turny plugs, you know, that just spins around. And you mm. put, they'd left it in place. So this tap had just continued dripping while the client was on holiday for two weeks and it had flooded the bathroom and the bathroom of the flat downstairs. What, what happened to the overflow? Um, well, it, it did, obviously didn't work. Um, <laughs> so we ended up having to claim on our insurance for there was actually no damage to the actual apartment, but for the damage to the apartment below because their ceiling came down. So despite the fact you did not cause the despite drip, the fact we they were fully it. aware of it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so for us, our risk assessment in terms of the risk to the business is we have to change our procedures so that when you've cleaned a bathroom, you double check that there is no plug in, that it's not it's not spun in place, and it's definitely, you know, the water will run freely through it because you just can't be sure of it yeah it's it was crazy but again a lesson in your business where something bad happens you then have to change your policies and procedures and how you do things um to stop it happening again I do think sometimes like I know that we do you've got to push back on customers a little bit like in that yeah. example is it was your cleaner negligent well no because there should have been it shouldn't have been dripping there should have been an overflow all these things are built in you know, it's yeah. a really tough one, isn't yeah. it? I mean, thankfully, our insurance paid for it. But yeah, it was uh, a tough one. And yeah, it was that. Do you want to keep the client? The insurers would said they'd paid, but, you know, it but cost us know, in premiums, cost us in excess. So yeah, and it it's wasn't really great. hard, isn't it? Because like, if you look at it, and I don't like talking about price, but let's talk about price again for a second. If you look at what most cleaners are charging, 15, 18 pounds an hour, well, by the time you take out costs and let's say they earn minimum wage, there just isn't the money to pay, you know, you, I don't know what your excess is, but they're normally 200, 250, whatever, unless you pay for a premium one when it's only 100 or 50. But, you know, a 200 pound bill, which can be wrapped up quite quickly by a few damages. The cleaning business, you may as well not work that week. That is your profit margin yeah. for that week. And you go, well, you know, if they're not going to pay the better rates, we don't really even make enough money to cover these costs. And you're cleaning in really quite expensive houses. You know, I've said I broke a bottle of air freshener. It was £20. Well, if you're only charging £15 an hour, that's going to be a week's work. Yeah, you have to work a lot to make that money back, don't you? Yeah, and that's that. This this is why I suppose the risk assessment is not just a legal thing. It's not just a tick box. It's not just to protect your staff. It's to protect your business to kind of understand what could happen and what could go wrong. So although and it does, yeah, and this this might feel a bit of a, a negative podcast. It's not negative. It's just meant to kind of share examples of what could go wrong, isn't it? And what hopefully you can put in place to. Don't, you can't stop it happening to you, but you can hopefully stop some of the worst um, outcomes from it happening to you. And I think one of the interesting things that I've found, and actually you look at the numbers, and obviously we've given some quite extreme examples, but in terms of breakage, I, I think we did one week where we broke like four cups. Now, luckily, most of them just got replaced from Tesco's. But when you're talking five pounds a cup. Do you know, these things happen quite regularly, very regularly. Like, yeah. it's unusual to have a week without a breakage, if I'm on it. I mean, okay, it depends on the size of your team. But, um, yeah, if it was yeah. just you and you broke something every day, it'd be a little bit of a worry. But when you've got a team, yeah, it happens. You know, 20, 30 people, you know, it only takes them each to break something one and a half times a year. Well, that's one a week. And that's like, that's not that much, is it? Like, it's particularly if they're all doing weekly cleans. So, um, so this is the thing I think, see, 
it's risk assessment, it's tying it into policies, but then it's kind of being realistic about it as well with the customer and going, I don't know if we're going to cover this. Yeah, absolutely. And you say we weren't negligent in any way. And then actually maybe it's just part of having a cleaner. Yeah. Do you, do you think we ought to be a bit more brutal almost at quote stage? You I, are I anyway, think, aren't you? Yeah, it, it's, we cover it off at the quote. We, and we actually don't cover under a certain um, amount for accidental damage. Um, what, do you not cover under 50 or under 20? Um, no, it's actually under 200. Anything under 200 pound, it's in our policy that we don't cover it. Now, in reality, we might actually cover it if we felt that it needed to be. But the policy is there to protect us that we don't cover it. Yeah, if it was your fault, you oh, would cover it, would yeah, Absolutely. And it's this difference between accidental damage and negligent or, or damage while cleaning. Um, but when it's just a, yeah, that handle fell off or, yeah, it's, we don't cover it. Do you know what we got locked with once, which, again, I feel is not quite our fault. So it was a bit annoying because I was actually away for the weekend. One of our staff, what did they do? They, oh, they broke the key in the lock to the front door. So they went to lock the house. The key snapped. Not entirely our fault, but whatever. So we notify the customer. The customer comes home and goes, oh, I can't use my key on the front door. What about the back door? Oh, well, I keep the key on the other side of the back door. So we can't get through the back door. So I'm going to have to call a locksmith. And by the way, you can have the £70 call out charge. It was like, really? Like if we'd been there, it'd be a pair of pliers and that would have been pulled out. Um, But it's so frustrating, isn't it? Yeah. And I I would say that the broken key has probably happened three or four times in 14 Mm. years. It happens. It's a relatively regular thing. But, you know, oh, that's why I'm saying pair of pliers. We've done that plenty of times. Yeah, we don't even yeah. now notify the customer. We're like, get yeah. the key out and then notify the customer. That used, that used to often be my husband's job. Would be like, just bring Mark. Mark, can you just nip out and fix this? And yeah, then we just needed to get a new key. <laughs> get the get the pliers and things. Um, and allergies, chemicals, gloves, pets. A lot of people have allergies, don't they? Yeah, definitely. Your clients and your team. Yeah. So it's important to, to find that information out um, at the employment stage or at the sign up of the client stage to find out, you know, are they allergic to certain chemicals? Are they allergic to latex? Because that's a big thing in gloves, isn't it? And that you'll find that's really common that um, team members are allergic to the gloves if you don't choose them carefully. Yeah, nitrile. I try gloves. Yeah. Um, again, our responsibility if they're allergic. Love this. There's a lot of glasses, isn't there? Go <laughs> through a lot. So you go, oh, come on, walk now. What? What have I got to deal with? But the, I suppose the good thing though is once you've, you know, you've got your your set of risk assessments or just the ways that, the way that you run the business, your policies and procedures in place. Every time something happens, you just tweak it. You don't have to do it all again. Um, it's just tweaking things, isn't it? And how can I improve it? Filled in the accident report form. Of course, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but that's only over five staff. So, um, and and what do you do? The big one, trailing wires. Trailing wires. Well, again, it's it's a that's a really simple risk assessment because there are so many ways to mitigate the trailing wires, aren't there? Um, so yeah, it's a really that's probably one of the simplest risk assessments because it's something you can sort of control. You can't control a pheasant flying through a window or a blind falling out of the ceiling or a key breaking off in the lock, but you can you kind can of control only, the trailing cables. 
you can only control so much how do you control someone in a different house that you're not there on and you go i did write a policy for that why are you not following my policy yeah, oh, well. someone tripped over. yeah training 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 and then oh training. retraining 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 yeah endless yeah. training throw in a quick disciplinary Come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah a bit of training bit of discipline now it's usually it's usually retraining and you know <laughs> <laughs> I know you like a disciplinary Louise but also really positive like improvement honestly, notices they're one of my favorite tools <laughs> yeah a lot of people I know we're not really talking about disciplinary but so we're going to do a webinar on this because like my disciplinaries I've got to say like it's a disciplinary investigation um and actually I see this all the time that people are terrified of conducting these disciplinaries they're really nice I'll start off with guys you know okay we follow the process and you get sent a letter and this is what's happened and then we start sit down and obviously some of them are a little bit terrified to begin with and go look you know we have to do this this is just the process just tell us what happened blah 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 how what process do we need to put in place to stop it happening ever again as in, why didn't you turn up to work six times in a row? Like, what do we need to do to support you for your drinking problem? Or, no, it's not really a drink. We don't really have drinking problems. Um, and then it, normally people feel really good after a really honest discussion. Yeah. But anyway, that was not where we were going with this. No, that wasn't. No, a bit off topic. That's all right. We like going off topic occasionally. Yeah. And you risk assess your disciplinary investigations. No, let's not go there. No. No, no. I think we should sometimes. Or I can risk assess by having nothing heavy nearby so they can't throw anything yeah, at me. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> no sharp objects. No, but I think one of the things that we see again and again with the domestic cleaning, the reason it's so hard, it's so unpredictable. We have kids, we have dogs, we have facilities and environments we have no control over. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you said you, you, you can control people's behaviour, but you just can't always control the environment. And you can't always control people's behaviour, actually, but <laughs> you can try and control people's behaviour through policies, but... Why do we do this job? <laughs> oh, we love it, Louise. We love it, Louise, really. Yeah. And we can't control anything at all. And it's all our fault when it doesn't work. Absolutely. Yeah. We said we wanted this podcast to be honest, you know, it, it's honest that these things are gonna happen. But you know, we're here to kind of share how we learn from it and how we make our businesses better because of it. But yeah, sometimes you do you do wonder we we, we have to be mad to do this, really. <laughs> On, um, I know on what's it called the the big training on uh, risk assessment and COSH the DCN has some brilliant training and what we have on there there's a big list of all the things you really need to risk assess against yeah. I think there's like 25 different things and by the time you've written all of those and the reason we don't write people's risk assessments is because um we might choose to do different things. Your your solution to trailing cables might be cordless vacuum. You can do it the battery powered one, yeah. whereas mine might be lay it around the edge of the room. And then there's, you know, you have to then train the staff. So we, we'd write it for people if we could make it easier, but we can't because each of them solve the problem in a slightly different way. Yeah. But no, in that, in that, we did that training workshop, didn't we? And it's online now in our, in our members area. So our members can access it. We talk all through it and make it simple um, and that's mostly what the DCBN is about actually often isn't it is trying to make it simple but also letting you know that it's not just you <laughs> um, and that we go through the same challenges but we're here to support you and share um, and yeah that's what this podcast is about too isn't it 
And Diane, do you ever wonder if so worry that some of the customers might hear this and go, that was me? I know, I was thinking about that when I was talking, not about the pheasant because they were thrilled with the way that we handled it, but the blinds falling down and yeah, the, the fact that they had lots of dodgy fixtures and fittings in that house. But yeah, it's a long time ago. They probably wouldn't Maybe recognize we write- themselves. Well, we should write a book, shouldn't we, of uh, what really happens behind closed doors, <laughs> what the cleaners really do. To be fair, we don't, I always say to customers, look, we view your house differently. We view it as a series of surfaces. Like, I don't see it as a house. Um, but, yeah, the things that go on. <laughs> so so this podcast is called Confessions of a Cleaning Business Owner, but we don't actually go there too much, do we? Should we? Should we? Let's do it. Maybe on one. Actually, people could comment and let us know. Do you want us to actually do a few real confessions? And maybe you can share yours. Hi. Can I tell you the worst thing I ever did? And I'm only saying this because I actually confessed to the couple. We're still recording, Louise. You know that. Oh, that's all right. They know. They know anyway. No, do they know? Did I confess? I don't think I did actually. Right. But anyway, this was about 12 years ago. And um, there's a particular customer. And I can't remember where it was left, but they'd left a plate somewhere it shouldn't be. And either I knocked it or I whacked it with a vacuum and I was like, oh, and I was having a really bad day and the plate had cracked in half. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to have to clear it up. And I just threw it in the bin because I was like, there's nothing else you can do now with a broken plate. And um, I was like, do I confess? And you know where you have that moral question? They're never going to know. Do I confess that I broke the plate? No, I think I did. I think I did you know it's that long ago did I tell them but I definitely like threw it in the bin whereas normally now we get the staff to leave out the evidence we break something um but I remember that moment of thinking I could get away with this but uh now we don't as a business it's not worth getting away with it I'd rather just replace the plate than have them going did my cleaner break the plate or did they not when clearly we did yeah honesty is almost always the best policy <laughs> Almost always. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just qualifying that slightly. <laughs> anyway, should we stop here, Diane? I think we should, yes. Um, perfect. And we have, are we going to talk about our, uh, we've got a big event coming up, haven't we? In September. In September. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> yes. <laughs> a big meeting on this. September the 16th and 17th in Warwickshire at the Cleaning Show. So if you're listening to this in 2022, then that applies to, to now. Um, it'll be 16th and 17th of September in Warwickshire at the Cleaning Show. We're running a massive event um, ourselves on the Friday and there's the Cleaning Show on the Saturday, which will be there as well. So you'll start hopefully start to see information about that coming up. Yeah, and the topics, the topics that we're talking about, we'll do them. Are you a cleaner, manager or investor in your business? How many of us go, what are we really? Uh, Personal branding and how to monetize it. Interesting. I like that one. Yeah, I like that one. Five numbers you can change to get 61% more profit. My favourite. I love the 61%. It's very specific. It's very specific, isn't it? And getting your team to love you. (laughs) I could go on that. I think you should go on that course, Louise. (laughs) <laughs> actually i think we should probably both go on that course no it's 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 a key thing but do you really want to love you anyway we'll see how that 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 works because i think that's going to be a really good topic i love that one but anyway right uh, we'll run off and we'll see you on the next podcast bye, bye.